Educating our community about the impacts of gambling harm live from Williamstown High School, Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to our Gambling Harm Podcast on Live FM. Welcome everyone. Live from Williamstown High School in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to our Gambling Harm Podcast on Live FM. My name is Naomi and my co-hosts today are Harry, Seb, Josh and Alicia. Our special guest today is Fred Rubenstein, a person who has lived experience with gambling. Hi Fred, welcome to the show. Hi Naomi, pleasure to be here. Um, my first question for you is, what was your first exposure to gambling? So my first exposure to gambling indirectly was as a child, very young child, because my dad was a punter. Um, so he'd gamble pretty regularly, almost every weekend, Saturday, Sunday. So that was my indirect exposure. The first time I gambled myself was was probably probably like 10 and, you know, putting a bet on like the Norm Smith through my dad and then... I guess the first time I did it independently, I would have been 14, sneaking into the tab or creating a dodgy online sports betting account. Thank you. Um, why did you get into gambling? That is a very loaded question. Why did I get into gambling? I think from a young age, I had a proclivity to be drawn to games of winning and losing. And especially when the outcome was some sort of prize, whether it be like as a young kid, like a toy or a prize in an arcade game, which manifested into money of gambling or even, you know, gaming with machine guns. And, you know, so I was very drawn to that. I win, you lose type stuff and wanting to win. So I think my innate in my personality is a really strong desire to win and achieve in what I do. And unfortunately, it manifested in a really ugly way with gambling. Yeah. Um, how did your gambling affect your relationships? Oh, it affected them a lot. It affected them a lot. It, the main effect it had is that you lose the trust and respect of your close, the people closest to you, your family and your friends because they don't respect what you're doing and they don't trust you because whilst I was a compulsive gambler, I became a compulsive liar and it just spiraled. Yeah. So they, from... As it got, you know, as it deteriorated and I got more and more out of control, yeah, they just lost more and more trust and respect for me. And yeah, it became very, there's a lot of animosity and things not being said and frustration towards each other. And it was a very difficult thing for me to understand because I was completely consumed and preoccupied by my own stuff, what, what I was doing. And it was, yeah, it was a very difficult time because I was just trying to push them all away so I could just keep gambling and try to win and, and be the hero and it yeah it really didn't work um, what were your thoughts and feelings whilst you were gambling Whew, another loaded question you guys are sharp <laughs> thoughts and feelings um, my feeling is this it gives you like this wiry anxiety through your gut like it's like a, a dirty feeling like you know you're doing something wrong so that was my feeling like of of a very unstable, unsettling feeling. Um, and my thoughts were, how am I gonna win? Let's win. You know, I'm gonna do this to win. So it's just about winning, my thinking. Or when I was losing, which was most of the time, my thoughts were, how this is unfair, it's everyone else's fault. You know, this guy's a, a bastard. All these thoughts, but about how it's not my fault and, you know, how also I'm, you know, and when I was winning, it was like, oh, I'm a genius. I'm amazing. I can make this work. I can make millions. I can win every day. So that was the contrast. And 
it was just always like that. And six out of seven times, it was a losing mindset, not the winning. Hi, Fred. My name is Harry, and I was just wondering what your relationship was like with your dad when you were younger. Oof, that's another another difficult question. So as I told you guys before, and I'll speak about it a bit in this podcast, I um, lost my dad at 13, and uh, my dad had a, a mental illness and a physical illness. And long story short, I think having the mental illness kind of contributed to him mismanaging his physical illness, which was Crohn's, and unfortunately turned into cancer, which unfortunately turned into him passing away when I was 13. So our relationship before that, I was quite intimidated by him and scared of him, to be honest, because very moody man with his mental health issues and could very quick to get angry. But I also respected him a lot because he was very strong, very intelligent, um, very well respected in his field of mathematics. Mm. You know, everyone was telling me from a young age that he was so mathematically gifted and, you know, so lucky to have him as dad and he was a very generous man. So I looked up for him, but I was also intimidated by him and, and his strictness. Whereas my mum was complete opposite. She was very wild and free spirit and very much live and let live. So their, their relationship was very much a, a case of opposites attracting. Yeah, thank you. Um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM, live from Williamstown High School, Melbourne, Australia. My name is Naomi and my co-stars, my, co- my co-hosts are Harry, Seb, Josh and Alicia. And our special guest is Fred Rubenstein, a person who has lived experience with gambling. Mm. Um, another question I have for you is what are your relationships like now? So much better. So much better because my relationships now are built on the truth and built on real things. So... Like if I have any issues now or there's any sort of conflicts or disagreements, we can just talk about it. Whereas before I was lying and so yeah, I've rebuilt that trust and respect through a lot. It took a long time. And first, before I could even start the process, I had to tell myself the truth. Myself the truth, which is that I lost $225,000. I stole $25,000 more. And I had to tell myself that, accept that within myself that it was gone. And that I had done that damage, no one else. I had done that damage in my life. And it wasn't until I was open with myself that I could start being open with others. You know, my, my doctor, my godmother, my mother, my friends. So telling the truth started the rebuilding process and paying off my debts. So that was the start. And, and then it's just, I kept building momentum from that, you know. And now that I'm five years sober, which I'm very proud of, it shows in my behavior that I'm, you know, an honest person and I've become an honest person again and I can be relied on and I, my word can be trusted. So I think all that animosity that was there when I was gambling and lying and stealing and cheating and misleading everyone and deceiving, you know, people know that something's wrong. You know, they know that you're doing something that's harmful to yourself and they get annoyed that you won't let them in, that you lie to them. You know, they're not, not, people aren't fools. They can see something's going on, but they have no idea the extent of the details of it until you tell them. And when you do tell, well, when, at least in my case, when I told them, they were so, they were shocked, of course, at the, the amount and the damage, but they were supportive. They were really supportive and they understood because they knew me and I was already had pre-existing relationships and they knew my nature and how obsessive I am about anything I'm committed to in my life and how much I want to win and, and how obsessive I am about sport and a lot of things that fit like a glove with gambling. 
So they, they were, you know, worried, but they understood. They understood. And through the process of telling the truth, as hard as it was, that is how I started rebuilding the trust and respect and re repairing the relationships. Um, so um, congratulations on the oh, five years you. sober. <laughs> but you. how was the process of opening up with yourself? Oh, very difficult. Very difficult. And to be honest, I could not have done it without high-level professional support. I was very lucky that I had a mother that even after I'd stolen from her and lied to her and deceived her, that she was still willing to pay for a very high-level psychiatrist who helped me, who showed me the mirror. And that takes a long time. That takes a very long time. So as I told you guys earlier, the first six months I was there lying because I wasn't ready to accept that I was a loser in this space of gambling. I thought I could win it all back. I thought I was a genius, you know. I just couldn't, I wasn't ready to walk away. So I was tricking him and telling him just my gambler's logic and just all these, all these things that weren't true, that weren't, wasn't happening in my life. And it wasn't until I told him what, and I looked in the mirror with myself actually, and told myself and accepted that I'd lost all that money. And then I told him and others. It wasn't until that point that I could start to move on, start to the journey of rebuilding my life and the process of recovery because I just wasn't open with what was actually going on with myself. I was riding the roller coaster and that is a really dangerous thing, guys. That is a really dangerous thing because it's not real. It's real in terms of how it feels and the damage it does to you psychologically, emotionally, financially, but it's not real in the sense that it's not parallel to life. You know, life is a bit more of a slow burn than that. Whereas the gambling, it was every day up, down, up, down, up, down, and just running away with the highs and lows. And through the process of psychiatry, I've learned to recognize when I'm in a high or when I'm in a low and I don't run away with it. You know, so I learned, first I learned self-awareness and then I learned self-management. But that took years, guys. That took years and years and years of grinding. And it's not linear. It doesn't just go up. It's ups and downs, ups and downs, and you just keep showing up and you just keep trying and you keep you just keep going and going. And I'm lucky that I have a very strong will to persevere and keep going. And that kept me in the process and that kept me moving forward. So I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for that and even more grateful for the support I had with my doctor and my mom and my friends. Uh, what were your thoughts when you let your mum down? Oh, shame. My thoughts were shame, or my feelings were shame. My thoughts were deluded, like, oh, I haven't really done this, or I'm not really a thief, or, you know, I'm entitled to this. I deserve this money. You know, I can, I can turn this around. So that was my thought process. And it wasn't until I hit rock bottom that I could really feel everything that I was doing and really felt the necessity to change. So... I could easily distance myself from those thoughts and feelings of shame and delusion when I was gambling because I would just run away with it and it would distract me for a time. But when my mom said, when she disabled me, if you steal from me again, I'll call the police. The third time or fourth time I stole from her, that was when I felt the necessity to change. I had to change or something bad was going to happen. My self-preservation kicked in. And that's a very selfish thing actually because – I wasn't willing to change based on the damage I was doing to other people, you know, my relationships, 
the emotions of my mom and my friends and my financial harm and my psychological harm, that wasn't enough for me to change. But when my mom said, "If I, uh, I'm going to call the police if you do this again. And I knew she was serious, guys. I knew she was serious because like I said earlier, she's a wild free spirit like me. So for her to say that and mean it was a scary thing. It was a scary thing and I went, oof, you know. And I knew in that moment I had to change. That was the moment I decided to change, to change my behavior, to just lead a better life and walk away from gambling. And it wasn't the last day that I gambled, but it was the day that I decided to start my recovery process and take it seriously. Yeah, um, I know you've said a few mentions about this, but how's your recovery journey going? It's right now, it's going fantastically because I've been in it, you know, six, seven years and um, I feel like a bit of a veteran with it, you know, when the, the highs and lows come or triggers arise, I, I know what I need to do. And it's not always easy. And where I've gotten to, it's taken a lot of hard work, but I'm so happy with how my life's going now. It's so much better, guys. Uh, I'm a soccer coach. I'm a teacher's aide. I'm um, a therapy assistant for young for young special needs children. And I, I love it, guys. I love it. And it's a similar mentality that drove me to gambling. It was I want to win and I want to be recognized and I want to connect with people and, you know, be seen as, as a good person or, you know, a, a respectable person. Yeah. And it was actually a similar mentality, you know, and that hasn't gone away from psychiatry or from my process, my desire to win and, and succeed. I've just in much healthier forms of life, you know, and that's something that my psychiatrist helped me realize that there are better ways to achieve the things that I wanted to achieve. And by doing it as an educator and a therapy assistant and a soccer coach, it's much more rewarding and it's lasting, you know, it's a real feeling. Whereas the gambling goes away like that, the winning and the feeling of losing, which is much more regular and predominant is awful <laughs> it's awful and i don't get that now you know you have a bad day and you're a little bit disappointed and you have a good day and you're proud but at the end of the day i can go to sleep knowing that i'm making a good contribution to the society and i'm a respectable person and that's something i wouldn't trade for anything guys that is the best thing about not being a gambler anymore is that i don't go to bed with this feeling of guilt and shame so the day that i started speaking the truth about my losses and about everything that I'd done was actually the day that I released myself from a psychological prison of anxiety and shame. Um, how long did it take you to recover? That's a, that is a very tough question. I'm going to say an infinite, an infinite amount of time because I'm still recovering. Yeah. I'm still recovering. It never, like I said earlier, nothing's linear. So I don't just go in the doctor's office and you goes like this. No, nah, it goes up and down, up and down. And even a couple of weeks ago, I got triggered by something really random and unexpected. Um, I was at like a mathematics conference and playing these mathematical games and I got very aroused and excited. And I was like, oh, this is a strange feeling. I haven't felt this for a while. And I needed, um, my boss was fantastic and she gave me some time to calm down and, um, you know, bring my emotions down. So my point is I will forever be a gambling addict and I intend to never return, but it's something I need to work out every day. I need to keep doing other things that are healthier that keep me occupied and happy so that I don't look for something else. You know what I mean? And with the mental health stuff that I experienced as a, uh, a young adult, I think gambling was just a symptom of me not understanding my mental health, the trauma of losing my dad, the lack of direction in my life, not being motivated, not having clear purpose. So I think gambling was a symptom of that. And... As long as I keep 
working on those things and building them the way I have, I will stay recovered from gambling. You know what I mean? But I need to keep working at it. I can't, it doesn't stop. Maintenance is an ongoing challenge. So it's an unfortunate thing, but it's a reality is that the recovery process is ongoing. Um, now that you have like, you're so far into your recovery, do you still ever get the urge to gamble? It's a good question, man. And it's an interesting one because if you asked me a month ago, I'd say no, but then, you know, something random happened and it was like just out of nowhere. And it was like, I was taken back to what it was like to be a gambler and having that wiry feeling in your guts of shame and anxiety. So I do occasionally, I'm not going to lie. Like I do occasionally, like I'm still very obsessive with, with sport as a soccer coach and a massive AFL fan. And when I'm watching sometimes and, you know, messages pop up in group chats and he goes, Oh, you know, here's this bet that I put on and go, Oh, that's not bad. You know? And, and, and it triggers you a little bit, but not strongly, not strongly because my self-control is much improved from that time because when I was gambling, I had no self-control at all. I didn't trust myself. I had lost complete control of my life, not just as a gambler, but everything, putting on weight, just all my behaviors were so self-destructive and I had so many bad habits. So I think because I have that self-awareness and self-control, I think even when those triggers arise, I think I'm generally okay. You know, the, the yeah, what happened a month ago was a bit, took me, you know, shook me up a bit being at just a mathematics conference and being triggered by that. And I think also, you know, my dad was a mathematician and it just took me back to being a young kid and, you know, wanting to win everything. And it just triggered a lot for me. So it does come up, but because of the stuff I've been through with psychiatry and getting that self-awareness and self-management, I know, I believe in myself to work through it, to work through those triggers. I don't run away with my highs and lows anymore. So Fred, I was wondering what support services did you find really helpful and that you used during your recovery? It's a good question, man. So there's a lot of ways to get help. And for me, like psychiatry was fantastic, but that's just one way, you know, that doesn't work for everyone. Some people find it intimidating. So, and, and I did it first for sure. So for me, psychiatry was, was the predominant support factor that got me over the hump. Um, but the support of my mom, support of my friends, support of my family. And, and it took a while actually to get some of that support because obviously I damaged so much trust and respect. It was hard for them to know if I was serious about turning my life around. Because like I said, when you lie and I was compulsively lying all the time about what I was doing and the person I was being, you know, my behaviors, when you lie like that, you lose people's respect and trust. So they're thinking, you know, is he serious or is he just a fad or, you know, is he going back? So it was very hard. It was very hard. But I, I, like I said, I started repairing that with just honesty. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when I told them, when I told them, this is what I've done, you know, this is how much money I've lost. This is, this is what I've done. These are the choices I've made and this is the damage I've done in my life. That was the start of rebuilding that trust and respect and enable proper support because how can you support someone who's lying to you, you know, and you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know the details. You might have an idea. Oh, this person's not well and he's struggling with gambling. 
but you don't know how much. You don't know how much that was or how much psychological damage and, and angst and pain they're in. So it's very hard to get proper support if, if you're not honest with people. And like I said, you can't be honest with people until you're honest with yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, unfortunately that's all we have time today thank you Fred for coming today and sharing your story it's been a great pleasure talking to you today um, live from Le- Williamstown High School in Melbourne Australia you have been listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM my name is Naomi and my co-hosts are Harry, Seb, Josh and Alicia thank you for joining us today we hope you have found the information today useful until next time have a great day live from Williamstown High School Melbourne Australia you're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM Live FM